0: Welcome to our listeners today, and hello, Graham. Nice to be here recording with you again. So today's podcast, we're going to be having a very general conversation around relapsing and specifically what next. So after you or someone you love has just had a relapse, what's the best way to treat them and get back on track? So Graham, with over thirty years of experience in the recovery industry, I thought, why don't we just begin this conversation with you giving us some insights into how common is it to relapse, and what are really the reasons why it occurs?
1: I think the starting point, Danny, is to look at this from different perspectives. So we can look at it from the person who's relapsed. We can look at it from their partner and their family and their brothers and sisters, mum and dad, husband and wife point of view, because they'll have different views on it. So let's start with the all-important one, the person who's relapsed. There is a truckload of evidence that Leads to the conclusion, and my experience over 30 or 40 years actually reinforces this conclusion that upwards of 90% of people who embark on an abstinence path will have a relapse or multiple relapses. So the question is how should that person look at the relapse and what should they think about it? So the first thing that comes to mind is they feel as if they are a failure. Let's talk about alcohol in particular here, not so much illicit drugs, but let's talk about alcohol for a start. Alcohol is such a common part of society that a lot of people who decide to embark on an abstinence path really struggle to get their heads around why they can't control it. They can control other things in their life, and quite often they've got a benchmark. Like, well, I remember a couple of years ago I didn't drink for a month, or I didn't drink for two months, so I I can control it. And of course, when they find out they can't control it, that leads them to start feeling a lack of self-worth. They feel like they're a failure and they blame themselves. The other thing too is they think, well, I'm back at the start again. I'm back where I started. So let's take those one at a time. And we'll take the last one first, which is I'm back where I started. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you've embarked on an abstinence path and been abstinent for 30 days, 35 days, and you have a relapse... You don't go back to day one because you should look at it. For the last 35 days, I've had 34 days of abstinence and one day where I wasn't abstinent, or two days. So you've actually gone forward. Secondly, everything you've learned, especially if you've been with a coach or a facilitator, you will have learned a number of things in that month, not the least of which is what triggered it. Was it an emotion? Was it a place? Was it a person? Was it not having a plan in place when you were going out and you got caught short? So we should look at it that we've learnt a lot of things in the time leading up to the relapse. We should look at it as a blimp on the radar, and we should look at it as though we're moving forward. It's just a relapse. And more importantly than anything, over 90% of people embarking on an abstinence path will have a relapse or multiple relapses. So don't feel you're different or don't feel you're a failure. You, you shouldn't think that at all. You should say, okay, what happened? Why did it happen? What am I doing now to make sure it doesn't happen again? So it should be treated as a learning curve. The other thing that you should do is look at alcohol as the cause, not you. You, you didn't cause the relapse. Alcohol did. So if you want to get dirty on someone or something, you know, look for a scapegoat. Blame alcohol because, you know, as they say in the 12-step fellowship in AA, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And when we're changing our thought process and changing our habits and going on an abstinence path and alcohol just surges back and we've still got the obsession or it overcomes us and we have a drink, understand that's how powerful alcohol is. I Well, remember my sponsor in AA saying to me, they fly jet planes on it and we drink it. It is a really powerful substance. And I had this discussion with a client last night. She was really down on herself. And I said, what are you down on yourself for? You're dealing with alcohol. Blame alcohol. The reason you shouldn't drink is because when you drink, you become a monster, which she does. In her own words, she does. She's a very unlikable person when she's drinking. So I said, that's what alcohol does to you. Don't blame yourself for drinking. Blame alcohol for turning you into that. So it's really important that we do that if we're the person involved. Now we move on to partners. Partners vary from being very supportive, but generally don't understand. So when someone has a relapse, I get these calls all the time from partners, husband's wife. Oh, he's had a relapse. Oh, whatever you're doing is not working. Let's just give it a bit of time. Let's just, no, it's not working. Not working. Needs to go into a residential. Needs to do 30 days. You know, Needs to be abstinent. And as I say to them, well, he may or she may, but what happens when they get out? If they haven't changed their thinking and understand how to deal with it. So with the partners, I'd say, look, just be supportive and understand it's not an easy journey. If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. You're dealing with a mind-altering substance. It's the same conversation, whether it's cocaine, ice, marijuana, prescription drugs. When the relapse occurs, be supportive work out why it happened, treat it as a learning curve and don't think that failure is a curve. It's not failure at all. It's just part of the journey for most people.
0: Actually, Graham, it's interesting because I've noticed that partners can actually be the cause of the relapse very directly sometimes because they suddenly miss their drinking partner and they want someone to come back that doesn't drink how they used to but drinks like they want them to. And that's often the start of a relapse. They encourage them, oh, you know, let's try one glass of wine with dinner. And then that person falls down the the old patterns, the old path again.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Danny. When people decide to remove alcohol or drugs from their life and go on that journey, they become a different person. And if they got into a relationship while they were using or drinking, then the person they got into the relationship with got into that relationship because that's who they met. And when someone cleans up or gets off the drink or the drugs, they're a different person. And their partner goes, who is this person? I-, I want the old person back.
0: I love your attitude growing towards the reason for the relapse being the alcohol as well. Don't blame the person.
1: Yeah, blame the alcohol.
0: It's very true, isn't it? Because I think for, you know for a person that has been abusing substances for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, that everyone has very different reasons for why they did it in the first place. But just because they managed to get themselves sober doesn't mean that all those reasons really go away. So at some point, they're going to be kind of tricked by the alcohol, but this is what worked for you to solve that pain or solve that, you know, solve that thing before. And and so I often think of relapse being just such a normal thing for someone that has spent so long normalizing it. You know, if they've made that their solution for a very, very long time, then it is going to be normal for someone to want to go back and try it again when they feel like they need it. Absolutely.
1: Because especially over a longer period of time, it becomes habitual. It becomes a way of dealing with your emotion. It becomes a way of celebrating. It becomes a way of dealing with grief, with stress, with pressure. Alcohol, in particular, is a depressant, and it's used by people for various reasons. quite a part, you know, the effect, they like the effect, the change of personality, you know, become more outgoing when I've had a few drinks. And, of course, when they go on an abstinence path and they haven't got that fortification for whatever reason they were drinking, they're a different person. They're a different person, and sometimes they can struggle with that, and the people around them can really struggle with it because they don't recognise this person. It's not the person they're used to. It's an interesting discussion. Let me give you a couple of examples. I had a lady throw throughout years ago. She was about late 40s, had her own business, And she'd been using cocaine really heavily for the last five or six years. She was spending $5,000 a week on cocaine. And when we started, she was relapsing every two weeks. And I would talk to her, and I just remained positive. You know, you will get this if you want it. you just got to keep trying. And she'd be in bed and come good and go back to work and then relapse and whatever. And I reckon she would have had 10 or 12 relapses over the six months. And then, bingo, she got it. And I used to say to her, I'll give you a gold-plated guarantee if you keep coming back, if you keep doing what we need you to do, it'll happen. And she hung on to that. It's being positive. So if you've got a loved one or a family member or a partner who is attempting to get off it, you've got to be supportive. It doesn't mean you prop them up, but you've got to be supportive. So if they don't want alcohol in the house, you don't have alcohol in the house. If they're not fussed about having alcohol in the house, well, it doesn't matter. Quite often, people getting off it don't want other people to have to sacrifice their lives because they've got the issue with, with alcohol. Some people do. Some people don't. But it's a matter of being supportive. It's a matter of understanding that it's not easy. And there's also, because it's such a accepted substance, then we can struggle. The other thing, too, is we want to be like other people. We want to be, in brackets, normal. And I often say to people, well, who wants to be normal? No, I couldn't even worse than dying on the tombstone. They write, he died normal. We want to be the best person we can possibly be. So, if that's the case, and we embark on a pathway of continuous improvement in all aspects of our life, we're not giving up alcohol. We're removing something from our lifestyle that's inhibiting us or holding us back. So, when we look at it that way, we have a different view. Now, people often say to me, oh, Graham, you can't drink. I said, no, I can drink. Go and get one straight away if I want to. But I choose not to because I know what will happen if I do drink. It will take away all the things I want to do in my life. So that's why I choose not to drink. So when we feel like we're not giving anything up, we're actually removing something from our lifestyle, we look at it quite differently because we've got a choice.
0: Graham, you've touched on it a few times now, specifically in the beginning, that when someone relapses, they experience typically a feeling of failure. And that feeling of failure is shame and guilt. And shame and guilt is very common. But also that can be the prohibitor of somebody wanting to try again or call their support network, owning up to what happened basically wanting to try again. They can resist wanting to go back to what worked for them before because they carry too much shame and guilt. And I think that's really tough for someone that's already in some physical and emotional turmoil to then add on top of that the shame and guilt and what to do next. And this is maybe a little bit of a controversial question or discussion, but you talked about how being supportive is essential And I have met lots and lots of incredibly loving, supportive people in recovery that will be there for you no matter what. You know, they're incredible when someone has relapsed; They just open their arms up and welcome you back and want to be there to help you get back onto the journey. However, you'd also find a lot of judgmental people and they can often make that journey of reintegrating back to recovery quite tough. So I raise that because, you know, I do think it's important for us to have the discussions that our listeners are either experiencing themselves or have experienced or observing. Why do you think that they exist? And if you were someone that was listening, going through a relapse or had been through a relapse it was feeling very judged, how would you suggest that they handle that situation?
1: Okay, let's take the first one, the people who are doing the judging. To me, it stems from two fundamental reasons the first one is lack of knowledge lack of understanding they don't understand alcoholism or drug addiction or substance addiction they just don't understand it and that's that's only normal i mean if we haven't experienced something how would we understand what the experience is and the second reason is they look at it through their lens so i can have two drinks and stop I don't need to use cocaine, so why do you? Just stop. So they, they look at the issue through their lens. I had a client last year whose father could not understand. But at least he got to the point very quickly. He said, Graham, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why he can, can't stop. I don't understand why he keeps drinking the entire bottle of vodka. I just, you know, I don't I don't understand. Please explain it to me. And in the end, it was interesting because he said to me, I still don't understand, but I accept that's what happens. So the people who make the judgment are either looking at it through their own lens or their own experience. Well, I don't need to keep drinking after I've had a couple of glasses of wine with my dinner. I don't need to drink the bottle and go down to the bottle shop and get another bottle. So what is she or what is he? Or in a relationship, they often feel betrayed because of the lies and the guilt especially in a relationship, not so much with mother and father, but in a relationship, because inevitably with substance abuse comes lies and deceit and and all those sort of things. And they can struggle to understand why their partner acted like that. And as I explained to them, it's not their partner. It's not the person they got into the relationship with. That's the journey that alcohol takes this particular person on. And when we get rid of the alcohol or the drugs, you'll have that person back. And maybe even a better version. But understand the lying and the and the cheating and the deceiving is not the behaviour of your partner. It's the behavior of your partner with a substance abuse issue. Now, your partner has to accept full responsibility for everything he or she does, but also understanding that it's the substance that's causing that behavior.
0: And what do you think, Graham, about the other type of person? The person who is in recovery themselves. So they should understand why you would abuse a substance because they've been there themselves and they've managed to get themselves sober and clean. And yet they become judgmental people that relapse. And the judgment can come there within a recovery group.
1: Yeah, look, quite often it's people when they were handing out empathetic values, they didn't get in the queue, they stayed in the sandpit plane. It's also, you see this in the fellowship and you see this quite often, that people start to become engrossed in their own situation to the point where they are unable to look or talk to other people with any empathy well look at me look what I've done why can't you do it I didn't need to relapse so it's more I think a personality issue than a something that's born out of their substance abuse and their actual recovery and how they're going my sponsor once said to me a long time ago "Graham." There's plenty of people in AA I wouldn't have drunk with on the outside and I don't mix with them on the inside. And what that means to me is there's someone for everyone, but not everyone is for someone. There's a great saying, water finds its own level. And one of the great things about the fellowship NA or AA for me is that if we go to enough meetings and speak to enough people, we will find the people we relate to and that's who we will follow, whose tail lights are you following. So it's really important for people who have a relapse to understand that it's the substance that's taking you on this journey, not you. It's the substance. You have to accept and own everything that you do while you're on. So, you know, my background, uh, lawyer and got into all sorts of trouble, I own that, but I know why it happened. It happened because I drank and alcohol took me on that journey. While we own what we've done, we also understand why it happened.
0: Yes, so Graham, we have talked a lot today about the people around the person that's relapsing and the support and the lack of support. So let's take it back then to the actual person that's relapsed. And you have talked a bit about how very important it is for them to understand that it's the alcohol and it's not them. And hopefully that should help remove some blame. But we still need to do something about the situation. So what are your recommendations? How do you treat a relapse for an individual? What would be next steps once it's occurred? Because there is quite a difference in the person who has a relapse. It's very brief. It's a lapse or a slip or a very intense but short relapse. And the person who can go on relapsing for a full year, 18 months, two years, I've heard many stories of longer periods of time before they finally decide they need to get back and do something. So I suppose there's two questions in that. First of all is the difference. Where have you experienced the difference between the people that decide very quickly they need to get back into what they were doing before, the people that take a very long time? And if people are listening now that are in the, in the throes of trying to make those kind of decisions, what are your suggestions and what works?
1: I think the starting point, Danny, and this has been my view for a long time now, it is almost impossible if you've got a serious substance issue to get off it and stay off it and live an enjoyable life by yourself. You need help. Now, whether that's in the 12 steps, whether that's with a recovery coach or whatever, you need help for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is by the time you put your hand up for help, your confidence is shot, your self-esteem is shot, your self-respect is shot, you don't think much of yourself, you don't like the person you're looking at in the mirror. So when you are in that frame of mind without the proper assistance and coaching and and someone to work with, it's very hard to to get up out of that mental situation and get off alcohol or drugs at the same time because when we're feeling depressed or no confidence or we think there's nothing in life for us or we're a failure, just giving up doesn't change that mental situation we're in. In fact, it, it makes it worse because we haven't got the alcohol to numb that or the drugs to fix that. So you can tough it out for a day, sometimes a week, sometimes a couple of weeks. You know, we've heard, you know, white knuckling it, you know, hanging on for grim death. But you're going to relapse. So get some help. Go to AA or NA. Get a recovery coach. You know, speak to someone in the field. Get some help because you just cannot do it by yourself because there's all sorts of things that have got to be fixed up. I had this conversation this morning with a client and I'm going to have another follow-up call after this podcast. He's blaming himself. tried to take his own life the other day because he thinks he's a failure. So we're going through this exact same discussion. You know, you're not a failure. That's what alcohol does.
0: Oh, great! that, that comment touched me a bit. I always quite enjoy the real conversations about things like relapse because I find that it's a really good reminder of what we deal with with substance abuse. It's serious. And when we get into recovery, we try to, well, I know you and I do anyway, we try to be more positive And we try to talk about the advantages and, you know, how great life can really be in recovery. But it's tough, you know, and it's very tough for some people and being pulled back into a relapse, it's a reminder, really, of, of completely what we're dealing with. And it doesn't need to get to that stage. And unfortunately, I, I have personally lost some friends that have taken their life following relapsing, because of all of these reasons, they find that, <laughs> They just will never get themselves out of the situation they're in. And I hope that we don't have to come across anyone else that feels that way because it's not the case, is it? There is always a way and there is always help and there is always someone at the end of the phone to listen to you.
1: Absolutely. And the other thing, Danny, is I've got a saying, and I believe it, there's no such person as a failure. There's no one who just can't get there. If you want to get there, you can get there. I don't care how bad it is. Don't it how bad the drinking is, or how bad the usage is. If you want it bad enough, you can get it. And when I decided to go on a recovery path and abstinence path, I did it not because I wanted to be in church all six nights a week at AA meetings. That's not why I got sober. I got sober to live again. I got sober to enjoy my life, to get on and do all the things that I was gonna do but never did when I was on the drink. The drink's the great remover. It just removes everything, including your hope, your feeling for the future, your excitement and whatever. So when we look at why we're getting off the drink or why we're going on an abstinence and recovery path, if, if we're in that bind, we should be saying to ourselves, I'm doing it because I want to start living again. I want to get to the other end and say to myself, wow, what a ride. Not Groundhog Day. When we're on the drink or the substance, we live one day 365 times a year. And when we get off it, we start living again. So, when we've had a relapse, coming back to where we started the podcast, when we've had a relapse and we we decide, okay, we've got to get straight back on the horse, we've got to get on this, right? We're doing it because we want to move our life forward. We want to get on with our life. So, when we look at it that way, we should, you know, and I know you're a very positive person and you, you know, you love your life, and as I do, I, but it comes about because we've adopted an attitude that alcohol, is going to take that away from us. That's why we that's why we choose not to drink. It's not that we can't have a drink. You and I can have a drink right now if we want to, but we choose not to because you like surfing every morning. I like my golf and all the other things we do. If I was on the drink, there'd be no chance of me playing golf. I couldn't even see the ball, let alone get to a golf course.
0: And I think Graham, this is a really good place to end this discussion. I'm just going to throw one last Rogue question at you to leave it on a more positive note. I'd like to hear from you one thing, just one, because I know you've got absolutely hundreds, but I want to know one thing that has happened in your life that was only possible because you got sober.
1: Good question, Danny. Good question. I think, no, I don't think I know. The number one thing that I've got out of sobriety is I've found me. Alcohol took that away from me at a fairly young age, 15 or 16, because as soon as I touched it, I loved the effect. And when I found myself, because my life was such a mess, I was able to go back, or I was able at the time to redesign my life how I wanted to, and become the person I've always wanted to be. So I am very, very comfortable with Graham. I guess that, you know, spending five years in a prison cell by yourself, so you should be. When I think about it, that's the greatest gift. It's a, there's a whole million things that have happened. i found Carol and boys back in my life, all those sorts of things. But I, I really think it all starts with getting off the drink has allowed me to find myself and become the person I've wanted to be. That doesn't mean I'm not always trying to get better or trying to improve, or it doesn't mean that I, I don't muck up or I don't make mistakes. Of course I do. But it's a really satisfying feeling to know that you're getting the best out of yourself with
0: whatever skills or talents you've got. Thanks, Graham. I love the answer. And a great discussion today. I look forward to talking to you again on the next podcast. Thanks, Danny. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay in the loop on upcoming discussions. If you would like to find out more about Reset My Future, visit our website at resetmyfuture.com, where you'll find information on our 12-week non-residential program for people who want to address their substance abuse issues Reset their path going forward and feel excited about their future. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, where we regularly share recovery tips, success stories, and open up a discussion about what modern recovery looks like today. Thanks for listening.